Can changing your corner of the universe change the world? We think so. You've heard the quote, be the change you want to see in the world. But what does that look like? This is where we meet the people that are walking that out. One person, one idea, one decision at a time. Here's Vaden and Rex. All right. Today on My Corner Universe, we had Mackenzie from Ellie Mae Farm Sanctuary. And she has a great story about basically how she fell in love with cows and she particularly one cow named Ellie May and she tried to auction or she tried to win the cow in auction, wasn't able to do that, but continued to stay with the cow um at the the new farmer that basically won the the sanction the auction. And over the period of time she was able to actually talk that farmer into letting not only have that cow but uh, Ellie Mae's baby is a, it's a really neat story of how someone can um, not only follow their passion, but the, the love that someone can have for animals. Yeah. I thought it was a great podcast for anyone who's an animal lover, because like you said, you know, you, you she had this basically fell in love with this cow and you know, she goes through the whole story and then, you know, she's like, I, I'm not going to be able to live without, without Ellie Mae in my life. And then she, you know, a lot of people would be like, well, yeah, but then like, you, like not all of us can just take a cow into our backyard, you know? Yeah, so she had to figure out the, too, yeah. she had to figure out the logistics of like, okay, so how do I do this? And she did. Now she has three cows in the sanctuary and they're looking at expanding and getting more land. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, I really thought a cool aspect of her story. And one of the things that I learned is just how, how, I don't know the best word, humanitarian, I guess, or just like the relationship that cows have that we don't think about, you know, that we, we think humans only have these certain emotions and feelings, but these animals experience these same things as well. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a real space for what she's doing, uh, especially with, you know, some of these uh, factory farms that are out there that, uh, you know, obviously don't have humane practices and to allow um, a space for animals that may have, been abused or hurt that maybe a farmer is just going to, you know, write off because it's not going to be worth it for the farmer. So to be able to have a spot like that, I think is a great idea. And kind of like we talked about at the end of the podcast, she, she's really got a lot of passion for it and she's following that passion, which I think is great. Yep. So there's a lot of different ways you can support her. You can support her through PayPal or Venmo. Um, Definitely go, if you're on Instagram, go to Ellie May Farm Sanctuary, go check out some of the pictures or some awesome pictures of all the different cows or little cow celebrities. Um, I think believe it's lmafarmsanctuary.org is the website. So just, you know, spots to be able to go learn a little bit more. But with that, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And as always, uh, make sure that you are subscribing, sharing these episodes. It's how we spread the word about our podcast, but also about everybody that we interview, the things that they're doing. You know, the more that you share, you spread the word of people like McKinsey or Rob Will, our last podcast, just all these different, you know, people who are doing impactful things in the world. The more uh, that you share, the more that these words get out for people. So yeah. that, enjoy. Welcome to another episode of My Corner of the Universe. Today, we are joined by McKinsey with Ellie May Farm Sanctuary. McKinsey, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. Of course. Well, we're excited to be able to speak with you. Um, you have a really awesome project um, that... I think is very unique that I know a lot of animal lovers are going to love to hear about because a lot of us, you know, see the factory farm world and just how 
um, livestock is treated and we kind of always look and be like, man, I wish that there was a way that we could like help these animals or treat them better. And that's exactly what you are doing, Mackenzie. So why don't you start off by giving everybody um, a heads up on what you guys do as well as how you got started. Sure. Um, so we are a vegan farmed animal sanctuary. Um, so what that simply means is instead of rescuing cats and dogs, we rescue your typical farmed animals. Um, so, you know, of course, cows. <laughs> so we have three cows right now. We're hoping to eventually, um, you know, rescue all sorts of animals. And we would love to rescue pigs and chickens and roosters and turkeys and um, goats, sheep, anything under the sun that's considered your typical farmed animal. Um, and so how we got started is um, clearly Ellie Mae, who's <laughs> also on my shirt. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was a student at the University of Connecticut. Um, and for my intro to animal science course, I had to train an animal, a farmed animal. And so um, we were assigned whether it was a horse, I think we had a horse, chicken, pig, um, dairy cow, or beef cow were our options. Um, and so I definitely knew I wanted cows just because I grew up in kind of a cow farm town, um, but I hadn't really worked with any of them, haven't been close enough. So I was assigned um, beef cow, and so we got to go down to the barns and kind of pick from the herd. Um, and so I ended up choosing Ellie Mae, um, whose number was H864D at the time on her little ear tag. And so she was a little over four months old at that point. So she was a really big baby. <laughs> um, and so I worked with her for almost three months. And at the end um, of working with her, we put on like a little show with all our animals and how we trained them and Basically, with training cows, it's just getting them to walk on like a rope lead with you, um, which doesn't seem difficult, but it is very difficult. <laughs> um, but during that time, I, I really made a connection with Ellie Mae. And um, because she's considered a beef cow, um, she was going to be sent to slaughter because she's not um, necessarily like a perfect body condition score. Um, for the farming world. So she wouldn't want, they wouldn't want to breed her for Yukon um, cows. So she was considered a little wonky. Um, and so she was the only female Hereford um, heifer is what they're called. So it's a female cow that um, has not had a baby yet. Um, so she was sent to auction um, the day after I showed her and it was all by chance that this was happening. So I knew every step of the way that it was just meant to be that somehow I had to save Ellie Mae to rescue her because I knew what, you know, her end goal was. It wasn't going to be um, like you see happy cows frolicking through fields. Um, you know, she was going to be a, a baby maker for five plus years and then sent to slaughter. So I was, and I ended up <laughs> finally um, getting her a couple years later after she was sent to auction a farmer had bought her at auction. Um, was, I was outbidded at the time. Um, and so I visited her for almost three years every single weekend. And then she had a calf named Z. And um, not too long after Z was born, almost six months later, we were able to rescue the both of them and bring them home to the sanctuary. 
Nice. So that's how it started. Long story short. <laughs> no, that's cool. So did you have just like the typical suburban house with a small backyard that you brought them to or did you have some land? I wish that was how it worked. <laughs> um, so um, I grew up in a farm town, but I did not live on a farm. Um, and so my original thought when we went to auction to try and purchase her um we were going to bring her to my dad's house who has uh, about three or four acres um, that we could have used at the time, which wasn't necessarily viable, but it would have worked for short term until I figured out what else to do. Um, so we ended up, of course, not getting her at that auction. But um, my boyfriend, Billy, and I, um, we are renting right now a small plot of land. Um, it's a little over 10 acres. And so um, we have about three and a half acres that is fenced in um, and it's got, you know, a big barn and a tack room that we can store all their feed and hay and everything in. Um, so right now we rent that land um, for the sanctuary for Ellie Main Z and then later on ended up being Blackberry, a black cow also that joined us. But um, until we eventually will we'll purchase a larger farm. Um, how much do cows typically get auctioned for? So <laughs> it's kind of funny cause they do it by weight. Um, cause they don't at typical auctions, especially like at Yukon, they won't necessarily auction off any of the dairy cows, um, because they're useful for the females. Um, and the males are typically discarded, um, or sent for veal or eventually beef. But, um, the beef cows are sold by pound, so they weigh them right before. Um, and so even when they're still alive, um, they're sold by the pound like they're going to be, you know, your hamburger later on. But um, Ellie Mae was like 460 pounds at the time, um, and she was actually the most expensive cow because she was $2.75 a pound. So that's how they'll do it. So you have to quickly do the like, math in your head because they mm -hmm. keep raising the price by pound. So how did it go, the conversation with, because I correct me if I'm wrong, but so a farmer bought Ellie Mae at the auction and breeded Ellie Mae with Z and got other, other probably calves also. So then how did you sweet talk the farmer or to allowing you to get Ellie Mae or was there a purchase? How did that go down? Yeah. So, um, because, you know, I lost her at the auction. Um, I was lucky enough that one of my dad's friends who came with us went over and was trying to, you know, purchase Ellie Mae from the farmer that just purchased. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, you know, we had constantly been outbidded and I was paying for her on my own at that time. So I kind of had a price where I couldn't go above it because um, I was a college student who was making yeah. nothing. Yeah. Um, so he was willing to spend another, you know, thousand dollars or whatever it was to get Ellie Mae for me. Um, but the farmer really, really wanted her. So he wasn't willing to give her up at that time. Um, but I was able to get his contact information at that time. So I emailed back and forth with him. Um, and I was able to go visit Ellie Mae soon after she arrived at the farm. And, um, so from there for the next three years, um, I visited her and, when she was about two, she um, was bred um, through artificial insemination, AI, and that's when she calved Z in September of 2018. Um, and so Z is actually her only calf. Um, she was only bred once and only gave birth once. 
um, which is lucky for me because I don't know how I'd rescue a bajillion <laughs> babies, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, at the time, um, he at least wanted to keep Z because she was also or is also a heifer, which means she was a female and could be used for breeding. Um, so at the time, he had been willing to surrender Ellie May to me. Um, but was not willing to surrender Z to me as well. Um, so I had to f- basically figure out what's the best way that I can force him gently to allow me to break take- in at night, cut a fence. Exactly. And- <laughs> and- hey, I thought of it. everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, I will stick her in my Toyota Camry yeah. somehow. Yeah. She'll fit and we will run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a difficult conversation to have especially because I, I ended up having a, a fairly good, you know, relationship with the farmer since I saw him so often. And he was so willing to just let us on his property whenever we wanted, um, park there and walk right into the pasture and everything. Um, so it was difficult because I knew as a farmer, you know, I do, I do feel empathetic towards him because I know it's a hard life to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, you know, he grew up as a farmer's kid and, you know, everything like that. I know he was working two other jobs on top of farming. So he was working 12 hours a day. And so I knew what another cow meant to him. Um, but at the same time, like I knew what he, he could see how much I loved the two of them. And so, um, I ended up before I went vegan, ended up purchasing Z. So I did pay him, um, you know, basically for her, and um, Ellie Mae was surrendered to us. And so um, I went vegan shortly after that. And um, it's hard because as a vegan and then as a vegan in the farmed animal world, um, especially for sanctuaries, you're not encouraged to purchase animals. And so um, knowing all of that now, I would never purchase another animal because it's considered like, that money is now going towards another life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put that little plug in there that I don't encourage purchasing animals. Um, it's hard not to, especially when you fall in love with mm-hmm. an animal. But um, in my case, I, I, I didn't know better. Um, I wish I did. But at the same time, I knew I could not live my life, especially without Ellie Mae and then her only calf, her baby, you know. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that being hard for the farmer because that's a—I mean, there's a lot of money involved for each. Oh, cow. definitely, yeah, definitely. I mean, I joke—I joked with him a lot about it because um, we went back to visit the other cow friends that we made, and um, I was like, if you just, you know, lost at auction, we wouldn't have had to go through any yeah. of this because <laughs> you know he had to raise Ellie May and feed Ellie May. And, you know, take care of Ellie Mae and then Z. And so, um, you know, that's a lot of, of work and effort into all of that, um, you know, extra care. And and Z actually had gotten stepped on when she was um, a couple days old. So he had brought her to the vet. And, you know, all this mm-hmm. money goes into raising animals. And, um, you know, he does care for his animals, animals just not in the same way that, um, you know, I do. It's it's a different type of care. It's a different type of learning how to care for animals. Totally. It's I'm sure it's probably, you know, there's obviously really good farmers out there that like you said that care for animals, but they care for um 
like they're not inhumane, but they still see them as a means of their, their income, you know? So there's right. still, it's a beef cow or a milk cow, you know? So it's not like they're inhumane. I think that there's ranchers um, and farmers. And small scale farmers. The small scale farmers. farmers. Yeah, true, like, yeah. Like if you drive, I don't know if you have the same things back East coast, but we have like this on I-5 here, it's a big freeway that goes up California and it's Harris Ranch Farms. And it's like the worst situation you could ever imagine yeah. of just cows packed in on just hot it's dirt. It's a nightmare, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a nightmare. It's terrible. So like there's great farmers out there, but like you said, they don't necessarily care for them the same emotional way maybe that you care for them. Right, right. It's more so, um, I I think at least, you know, I'm not a farmer, but um, I see it as like it's their livelihood. It's their family that they then have to feed. And, you know, they don't necessarily know any better because it's, it's what most of them have grown up to learn mm-hmm. and to, to do, you know what I mean? To make a living. Um, and just to throw a little tidbit in there. Like I, I agree with you guys. I think that, you know, farmers, they tend to mean well when, especially when it's small scale, um, you know, they just want to take care of their family. They want to take care of themselves um, and create a livelihood. Um, but it's hard too, because it's like those small scale farmers. Um, my dad's actually, a little bit of a farmer. He's got a small farm that he used to raise pigs on and stuff. Um, and so at the end though, it's like, I wish I could say that I believe that, you know, they want to raise their animals humanely, but at the end, like the end goal, most of the time is that they, they end up being slaughtered. They end up being, you know, murdered, um, for whatever product they're giving them at the end. So it's hard. It's definitely hard to, to view, you know, their world as well as my own. Yeah. How much, uh, how much does it cost typically to feed a cow per year? Per year? <laughs> One cow. Let's see. We could do some math. Um, so around here, at least, we feed the cows second cutting hay, it's called. Um, and that's typically like $8 a bale. And they get, in the wintertime, at least one bale a day. So... Mm. If we go big scale, six months per cow. Yeah, per cow. Wow. Yeah, so it's we have three cows right now, so it's um, they each get half a bale in the morning and half a bale at night. Yeah, so that's like right around three thousand dollars a year per cow, right? I would assume, yeah, and yeah. that's you know only hay. So, that's just hay, yeah. Right. We still have to maintain the pastures for summertime and spring, and um, you know where they feed off pasture. We still have to we do supplements and we do grain and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Blackberry takes medication. So vet care and and making sure they are on checkups and hoof care and things like that. So it's expensive. It's expensive. care, not, not, not health care, hoof care. Exactly. Okay. I was making sure I heard that right. They got to get their nails done. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you got to look good. Um, I wanted to ask you about your bond with Ellie Mae during the times when she was at the farmer's place and you would go visit her. Um, talk a little bit about like, she'd obviously, she'd recognize you, would she come to you? And then how that relationship grew with Z and just kind of talk about the bond because of, of, cause I think sometimes we look at like animals, especially livestock, domestic animals, and we don't think of them as having personality and, you know, knowing people, but they do. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Ellie Mae at the beginning, um, she, especially when I first, first met her, she was terrified of humans because they don't really know, mm-hmm. you know, what we are, what we're doing. Um, so 
that took a really long time for her to even trust me because, um, you know, it's typically pretty aggressive. The, the things that you have to do for farm animals or you don't have to do, but they typically do, I guess, mm-hmm. um, for farm animals, because we had to halter train or halter break, um, the calves it's called. Explain um, so that what that is. Yeah. So you're literally, um, breaking the animal's spirit in a, in a sense. Um, you're forcing them to do what you want. Um, so to halt or train or halt or break, you throw a halter on them, which in itself is, is very difficult because all they want to do is run away from you, but they've got this much space to do it, you know? Um, so it's, you know, a lot of cows would like slip and fall on the ground and then you'd like basically be wrestling a 300 pound animal. It was terrible. Um, it's, it's really just aggressive. And so, um, I was, I've always been very empathetic, but also I'm very sensitive towards animals. So I was already vegetarian at the time for almost 10 years. Um, so Ellie Mae was like a dog for me. Um, and I was able to kind of treat her that way. And I think that's why our relationship was so amazing because I saw her almost every single day down at the barns. Um, and with training her, I went really slow and really gentle, whereas other students did not do that because that's how you're kind of taught is that they're just a thing basically. Um, but you know, I talked to her and I, I pet her and I went slow. And, um, so by the time that she got to the farm, um, it was kind of like a huge adjustment period because she was so small and she didn't have a mom. She didn't have any friends that she knew there, which sounds silly, but cows do have best friends and they have a family. They make their, you know, their own little herd within their big herd. Um, and those, those beings, you know, they become really important to them. Um, just like us. So, um, when she finally got there and got settled in, like you could instantly tell like who she clicked with, like who were her friends, um, and her little family and who took care of her and who did she take care of. And, um, so every time we would come there, I mean, you could pick her out right away because she, her head would be popped up, her ears would be forward, and she was like, oh my gosh, I know her. She usually brings me apples or carrots, and she gives me butt scratches. Like, I like this lady. So she might not have realized, like, oh, this is going to be my mom one day, but she was like, okay, cool. Like, I like this lady. She brings me good stuff, and she knows my friends, and I'm cool with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we kept coming and coming, especially for three years, I mean, uh, she would come basically running, barreling down the, the pasture, <laughs> and, um, you know, especially if we had food. I mean, she can literally spot an apple from a mile away. Um, and so – and cows can also – they can smell from extremely far away, eight miles. Um, and Whoa. so – I swear, like the second you get out of your car, she probably knew I was there. You know what I mean? So um, she'd start mooing and mooing and mooing. <laughs> She's very vocal. Um, so it's awesome. I mean, she, I grew up with dogs and everything like that, but the bond I had with her compared to a dog was just, I mean, remarkable. It really was because you, you tend to get like a respect for her in a different way because not only is she so much larger than you, Um, but she is like a puppy, you know, and she was a baby and you had to treat her like a a little puppy dog because that's what she was, even though she was, you know, 800 pounds and then a thousand pounds and 1200 pounds. Um, and you know, now she's four years old, but she's like a four-year-old child. You know what I mean? She's still, she had a baby. So she's a mother, but at the same time, like 
she acts like a child because that's what she is. Mm. <laughs> um, and so it was crazy because when Z was born, I was actually interning at Woodstock Farm Sanctuary in New York. Um, it's one of the bigger, bigger farm sanctuaries. Um, you guys might have heard of it. But um, so during that time, I was I knew I had to do something. Eleni was pregnant. We were expecting Z to be born in like October of that year. And um, I knew I had to do something. So I went to Woodstock and I basically was trying to learn everything I possibly could about, um, you know, farm sanctuary and how to care for animals, how to care for cows, because at that point I had no idea what I was doing. Um, And so I learned so, so much there. And while I was there, Z was born. Um, So, you know, I, I got the call and everything like that. I had found out she was born and she was a little girl. And so the next day I, I left Woodstock and I, you know, went there as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, my boyfriend went there before me cause he was home. And so, um, yeah, it was very emotional experience. <laughs> um, mostly because she was born a month early and I thought I had a little bit more time to figure out a plan on how to get her in Ellie May. Um, so you were kind of like, I was like pushed into everything because I was like, Oh no, like, how am I going to figure this out? You know, at the time I was 21, I was like, oh my gosh, like, I still live with my mom. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Mom, I'm bringing a cow. I'm bringing a cow home today. I got to somehow fit my cow in my bedroom because I don't know what else to do. (laughs) (laughs) Did Ellie May give birth to Z in the pasture or was it um, like in the barn, you know, so um, she was out in pasture. Um, they're not sure if she was technically born the night of the 16th of September or the mm-hmm. morning of the 17th. Um, he went out around 530 that morning on the 17th and found a calf. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, so, it's a, yeah, it's a cool thing. I don't know if the cows always do it, but I've definitely seen before where where obviously when the mom is giving birth, the other cows will kind of surround the mom. And, yes, and in yeah. a sense, protect the mom and the new baby coming out from any predators, even though obviously they're in a pasture, but just such a cool community thing of these animals to do that, knowing that, hey, right. this mom's vulnerable right now, this calf's going to be vulnerable, so we're going to stand around and, and protect her. Oh, definitely. I mean, and just like they provide support, you know, there's there's other mothers <laughs> there, you know, so it's cool because Ellie Mae had to have trusted those other cows to be like, okay, like I can... I can give birth because I don't have any other choice and, and I'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they did end up coming into the barn. Um, the farmer had ended up bringing the to- two of them in there. Um, Ellie may didn't have any complications. Luckily, most of the time, because the babies are so big, they tend to have some sort of complication. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was okay. She just was producing a lot of milk at the time. So yeah. um, they had to end up bringing her in and everything just to keep an eye on her. But, um, yeah, Z, Z was actually born either the day before my birthday or on my birthday. So I had uh, found out it, on my, on my birthday. Uh-huh. How, uh, how nervous were you when you knew it was getting time for her to give birth? Just of that, you talk about the complications of just knowing you weren't there. I'm not that, I don't know if you were going to do anything anyways, but just, you weren't there and just being nervous of like, Oh, what if this happens? What if something goes wrong? Were you really nervous? Oh, definitely. Especially because with cows, um, Sometimes they don't take to pregnancy, it's called, so they're inseminated, but 
Um, sometimes they're inseminated like three or four times. So that was Ellie Mae's case. And so you don't necessarily know exactly when they were impregnated. Um, so it's usually almost like, like, you know, humans, it's basically, you know, nine months later they give birth. And so we were expecting it to be October. Um, so I, at the, you know, mid September, I was like, you know, whatever, Ellie Mae is pregnant. And I went home a couple of times before then. And I saw her actually like three days before that. And, um, you know, she, she looked pregnant, she looked bigger and, you know, she looked tired and hot cause it was <laughs> hot out. And so I was like, okay, I've got some time. And, you know, they do give telltale signs of like when they're going to give birth, but I didn't really see that in her at the time. And so like literally three days later, she gave birth and I was like, what? Like I thought I had more time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was a shock, but, um, I was just more so anxious because um, I needed to figure out how to get her. And I knew I needed to figure out how to get her baby and getting two versus one. I knew was going to be more difficult. (laughs) Yeah. You're in Connecticut. Is that where you're at? Yeah. So uh, you guys get really cold winters back there, right? We do. Yes. So uh, do our cows uh, out on the pasture all winter? How does that work? Yeah. So, um, at least at our sanctuary, they are out all winter. Um, we do not like close barn doors or anything like that for when it gets really cold. Um, because cows actually like their optimal temperature is like 35 to 45 degrees. So they love it when it's cold. Um, especially LA Maine Z, their Herefords is what their breed is. Um, so they get really, really fluffy and super curly. Um, so they're completely, you know, ready for the winter. And so, um, they get the freedom to come and come and go. And so we, um, where we are now, we built, um, you know, more insulation, uh, another wall and everything like that on their barn so that they have a spot, a really big area with, um, bedding and straw and everything like that. So that if they are cold enough, they'll come in. But like right now, um, cause it's around like 40 to 60 degrees right now, they love it and they right. sleep outside all the time and they're barely inside except for they eat because that's where we keep their food to keep it dry and everything like that. But, um, other than that, they're outside all day, all night. <laughs> it's do awesome. They, uh, but do they sleep standing up? They do not. They, they lay down. Okay. Yep. Is that just a myth or do some cows sleep standing up? I would say that's a myth. Another yeah. myth is that they lay down when it's going to rain. And that's also a myth. That's not true. <laughs> not true at all. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, talk a little bit about Blackberry because this was a cow that another farmer gave you. So was there like a special relationship between that farmer and they just couldn't handle her anymore? Or how did you guys get her? Yeah. Or, so it's her, I, right? Her. Yep. Her, okay. Yep. Um, so I got a call um, last October um, about Blackberry. And so this farmer was retiring um, and he had a small scale farm in a couple towns over from us. And he had this connection with Blackberry. She's eight years old. She's going to be nine next month. And so he's had her since she was a baby, a tiny little calf, you know. So that's eight years of our relationship with this farmer. And um, she's been bred five times now. So she had five babies. Um, so, you know, he was there for her during all those pregnancies. And, and, you know, they had a relationship, um, even though for, for most farmers, maybe that that's just like we were talking about earlier, like that's their 
you know, way of, of living themselves. But, um, you know, he treated her like a, he had horses. He treated her like a horse, um, like a dog, you know, like we would see. And so um, he didn't want to send her to slaughter, send her to auction or anything like that because mm-hmm. he, you know, had a special connection and a bond with her and knew that she deserved to, to live out the rest of her, her life um, somewhere. And so through a mutual friend of ours, um, he had gotten my contact information and, and called me and said, you know, I've got this little black cow. Um, would you be willing to take her in? And so at the time I was like, oh my gosh, like we have two cows. How are we going to take another cow? Because <laughs> um, it is, is, you know, it's huge. I mean, like if you guys have dogs, like thinking about getting another dog, like that's a lot, you know, especially a cow because, yeah. you know, they eat a lot. They're expensive etc especially because she was older we didn't know if she had any other issues um so we went and met her and at the time she had um her last calf about a year and a half ago almost two years ago now but that calf had already had a baby a little too early so she was not producing enough milk so blackberry at eight years old was producing milk for her baby's baby so her granddaughter yeah so which is really cool um that she basically stepped up and, and became, you know, a second mother to this calf, um, her granddaughter. So um, that was also another complication. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like there's only three cows here. And so I begged him and begged him. I was like, we will take Blackberry, but we really want the other two. So we were going to go from two cows to five cows. And I was like, I'm ready, whatever we need to do. Um, Cause I didn't know that she had, you know, her family there with her. And so he, I guess, had already promised the other two um, cows to somebody else and was selling those two to somebody. Mm -hmm. So that did not end up working out. Um, But we did end up taking Blackberry home um, less than a month later. And um, she is, you know, an an older cow, especially because um, most cows before the age of eight, they're definitely, you know, sent to auction, sent to slaughter, Um, dairy cows, beef cows, whatever they are. and so she's actually um, like a dairy and a beef cow mixed. Um, so she produces milk and they're also usually raised for beef. So um, she's also a miniature breed. So she's a lot smaller. So she is even smaller than Z is now. Um, so Crazy. she's like probably 900 pounds and they're like 1,200, 1,300 pounds. Wow. <laughs> so um, yeah, so she came to live with us and she was so, so, so scared. Um, you know, she knew nothing else besides where she lived her past mm-hmm. eight years of her life. Um, so she actually ended up, we let her out of the trailer and we had to quarantine her for two weeks from the other two. Um, but the second she got out of the trailer, the first day we brought her home, she ran and ran and ran right through the fence. Um, so she ran underneath the fence and luckily into another paddock of our pasture. So she was still fenced in. Um, but it was so scary. So I was like, how are we going to get back a cow? Like I'm not, she's so afraid of everybody. So luckily she was ended up being okay. And she ended up, um, we were able to bring her back in with some food and everything like that. But we had to keep her contained for like the first three or four days, um, so that she wouldn't run into the fence again and hurt herself or, or get loose. Um, and so it took over two weeks to get her comfortable with the fact that she is in a new home. Um, and the farmer even warned us, like every time she had a calf taken from her, if they were males, um, she would cry and cry and wail out, um, for nights and nights. So 
we were expecting a lot of, of crying coming from her. Um, but I think Ellie Mainzie being there through the fence really helped her because um, she understood like maybe these guys are going to be my new family. Um, but she was so scared. And so she, she did end up crying um, for a couple nights, but um, after a little while, she kind of got used to it. But I think that's really hard, you know, to be, usually her babies were taken from her, mm-hmm. um, but she was taken away from her babies. And I can't imagine like how she processed that and went through all of that, you know, in her head. And then all of a sudden she's in a new place with new cows. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's how we ended up getting her. Nice. And has oh. she, um, has she became more friendly and kind of calmed down to you guys now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm not sure if there's a male to female thing. Cause at first, she really seemed to trust Billy a lot more, my boyfriend, Billy, um, just because I think she knew like the farmer was a male. And so she maybe thought like, Oh, this, you know, I can trust this guy cause he's kind of like my dad. Um, but I think me and her now have the connection just because I think she's seen me so much with Ellie May and Z and how I treat them and, you know, our connection um, that she's definitely learned to trust me through them. Um, and so I can scratch her all over. I can take care of her. Um, she, a big trust thing in cows is touching their head. So, um, every time someone comes to meet the cows, they always want to reach for their head and pet them on the head. And I, I want them to want that of course, but at the same time, um, cows have to learn how to, you know, navigate you as well. Um, so, cow's heads are like the last thing you want to touch, which seems funny because they can see your hand coming and everything like that, but it's um, all about trust for them. So um, Blackberry still, if you come straight at her and you want to pet her head right away, like she she doesn't always want that. Um, And you definitely, especially with cows have to respect when they want love and cuddles and when they definitely don't. Z and Ellie may have those days too, where they just don't feel like it. Um, And that's fine. Like you just, you learn their personalities and who they are and what they want and when they don't want things, they, they communicate that to you. And so Blackberry's definitely learned to communicate with us and what she wants and what she doesn't. How long can a cow live for? Um, so most typical breeds, it's like 20 to 25 years old. Um, Blackberry, because she is a miniature breed um, and minis tend to be, you know, less weight. <laughs> um, they can live almost 30 years. Wow. So it's wow. a long time. I didn't think it was going to be that long. I know. I hope to be in my fifties. <laughs> yeah, you got a good, Please. you got a good commitment with this. Um, do you bathe them or clean them often? Um, not really, to be honest. I thought I would do a lot more of that, especially mm-hmm. when we first got Ellie, May, and Z. They were kind of disgusting, um, just from where they lived before. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a lot of mud and everything like that. Um, it wasn't a very clean space, but. They don't like being bathed. Um, and so I tried, <laughs> but they were so stressed out and everything like that, that it wasn't worth it for either of us. Um, so they do a really good job of, of cleaning themselves and taking care of each other. Um, and they like the rain and stuff like that. So they'll go stand out in the rain and, and we do groom them. Um, we do, you know, like Ellie Mae loves to lay in poop. I don't know why, but she constantly has poop on her face. So I'll take like a bucket and, you know, a little bit of sudsy water and stuff like that. And I'll, I'll clean her face off, but we never give them like full on baths. Gotcha. That'd be a big bathtub. 
That's a big it's a really big bathtub. <laughs> I mean, their water trough that they drink water out of every day is a hundred gallons. Wow. So that's already enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you have people come to the sanctuary to visit? Um, and then how does that work? Do they just contact you directly? They pay like an entrance fee. How does all of this, this work? And especially I'm just thinking of the ways that people can show up or can help in any ways to help support. Like you said, there's costs for food. You guys rent land. There's all kinds of expenses that need to be met. So what are some of the ways that people can help out to help you out with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so as of right now, just because we rent a property, um, we don't really disclose the location of that property um, just to anyone because we do have cameras on the animals and in the pasture at all times, um, just in case of an emergency. And so we can check on them. Um, but because we do not live on premise with the cows, um, we don't really feel comfortable just having the information out on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for now, that information is uh, just for me, but yeah. <laughs> we are hoping um, to soon enough um, buy a bigger property. You know, we're working with a realtor right now, um, looking for other farms in Connecticut to purchase. Um, so we're looking for 20 plus acres um, to purchase permanently that we can also live on um, so that we you know, are constantly there with them. And so at that time, we will definitely allow kind of visitors, you know, open to the public on weekends and things like that. Um, so right now, it's mostly just friends and family that come to visit and help out and stuff like that. Um, I have met a lot of really wonderful people on the internet, um, like you guys through Instagram and stuff like that. Um, and so those people who I've really connected with and, and, you know, do a lot for us, um, they are usually the people that I'll kind of allow to come and visit and and hang out with the cows, um, because they are really big animals. And so, um, a lot of other sanctuaries don't tend to allow you to go in with the cows, especially, um, because if they get spooked, they can injure you. And, and we don't want that for anybody, you know, Mm. the human or the animal. So, um, you know, certain people like, um, there's this woman named Christine who, um, sells, um, jewelry, usually with a vegan message, um, through love and liberation jewelry on Etsy. And she has been like our number one supporter. And so like she lives right down the road. And so she's constantly coming with her friends and her family and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I've learned to trust her and she loves the animals and she comes in with them all the time. But, um, so as of right now, we appreciate people always wanting to reach out to us to come visit and to come support us in any way they can, or to come volunteer and scoop poop or whatever. Um, but just with the three animals, um, the three cows, we, we handle it and, um, you know, we can do it. It's just hard that, um, you know, we can't just allow anybody any time to come, especially Billy and I work full time, um, Monday through Thursday. So, <laughs> yeah. So what's the grand vision? Like, let's say, you know, a rich uncle says, Mackenzie, I'm going to give you $10 million for you to make, you know, the sanctuary what you want. What what would you do? Oh man, that would be awesome. Yeah. I would totally love a rich uncle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our main goal is we would like um, 20 acres in Connecticut, um, mostly on the Eastern corner of Connecticut, because that's where most of the farms are. And then that's where my family is located and we're very close. So um, my vision is to have a, a small little house on that property to live in. Um, and then we would like, of course, to have a big old barn for the cows, have pasture for them initially, because 
you know, that's our priority because that's who we've committed to, to begin with. Um, and then from there, um, we'll definitely begin introducing other species to the sanctuary. Um, you know, sheep, goats, pigs, chickens, turkeys, etc. Um, and so our, our grand scheme of things, I mean, we would love like every animal in the entire world to come live with us. Um, but you know, of course we have to limit, um, who we can take, especially expense wise, what we can afford. Um, and so that's kind of our, our biggest goal right now is just to get, you know, a property with 20 acres so we can expand on that same property to move the cows there, to make sure they're comfortable, make sure we're comfortable, and then begin rescuing more cows and other species. Awesome. Great. I love that you are following your heart and taking action. I think um, so many people might have dreams out there and they don't take action. So uh, the fact that you are and you can see you know, how passionate you are about it, is, I think is awesome. Yeah, that's I awesome. That so and if you're listening to this and you are in Eastern uh, Connecticut and you have 20 acres of land with a house and you're looking to give it away to somebody, uh, yes. information, you can contact them. Yes. Please and thank you. <laughs> yeah. So where do people go? Let's give a plug. Where do people go to learn more about you and how they can help out, how they can donate, all the different cool things you can give out for people? Definitely. So our website is lemayfarmsanctuary.org. Um, if you Google Ellie May Farm Sanctuary, we're the first ones to pop up. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Ellie May Farm Sanctuary, as well as Facebook, which is Ellie May Farm Sanctuary. And if you'd like to, you know, directly contact me, my email is Mackenzie, M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E at LEMayFarmSanctuary.org. So um, that's how, you know, you can reach out to us um, and find out, you know, information to donate. We have Venmo, we have PayPal, um, you know, you can donate through Facebook as well. Um, so all of our information is the same. It's all LMA Farm Sanctuary. Um, so definitely, you know, Google and that will help. <laughs> Thank you yeah. guys. Yeah. And even on your Instagram, your Instagram is awesome. The cows are all like celebrities. I, I know. Oh my gosh. Love every something. picture, but in your bio for you guys, if you go there, it has the PayPal and the Venmo uh, information on there on the Instagram. So not only can you see all the awesome pictures of all the cows, but then you can get the, the links and information to be able to support. Yes. Thank you. We also have an Amazon wish list, which a lot of people like to you know, directly purchase oh, yeah, something or a gift or a product that will directly help the animals, which is really cool for us too. So we like receiving packages that say the sanctuary's name on it and open yeah. it up with yeah. the cows. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking time out today. That was great. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me. If you liked today's episode, you can find more information at mycorneruniverse.com. And don't forget to subscribe. Thank you.